Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. Good morning. My name is Jeremy. I'm the youth pastor here at Stonebridge. I'm glad to be with y'all kind of this morning. This seemed like a really good idea to speak after camp in June when I said yes. Uh, not so much today, but we'll do the best we can. Uh, and but just a couple of things before we get started this morning. One, um, I just want to share how awesome these guys, these students are. They're amazing. Yeah. They had lots of places they could have picked to go this week and had a lot, probably a lot more fun camps, like Jesse said, that they could have gone to, but they chose one camp and they pursued Jesus, they encountered Jesus, and my prayer is that they were transformed. And I know a lot of them were. And so I'm excited about that. I'm excited to, to see the journey for them from this point on. And I just want to give you a little background since this is kind of a youth takeover Sunday. You see this 116 behind me. And some of you are not familiar with our youth group at all. That 116 represents Romans 116. And we intentionally leave out the reference and the verse. So people will ask us, what does, what does 116 mean? Now we can say, well, Romans 1.16 says, for I'm unashamed of the gospel, it is the power of God to save all those who believe, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. We wanna be a youth group that knows the gospel, that teaches the gospel, that defends the gospel, and most importantly, shares the gospel with our friends and our family and our, and our schools. And we wanna see our students be the tip of the spear towards reaching our community. Mo, our speaker, prophesied over us the very, the very first night that this is an anointed generation that will compete and combat against the work of the enemy. In a culture that's going the opposite way of the church, this generation is the generation that's gonna lead us back into a place of revival and a place of considering Jesus first. But I wanna tell all of you, before I talk to your parents for a little while, I wanna tell all of you first, if, you're, if you go back and you become the same after camp as you were before camp, then you've wasted a week. It's transformational, right? Leave the things that you left, the things that you brought to camp that weren't of the Lord, leave them out in Covington and pursue Jesus like you did this week. It's our job and your parents' job, we'll talk about this in a minute, to disciple you and to help you. But I wanna encourage you, you've been changed, you've been transformed, keep pushing, keep pursuing Jesus. I do wanna talk a little bit about camp before we get into the message this morning. First of all, I wanna say thank you to all of you. We couldn't do camp without your support. Y'all showed up for the golf tournament. You sponsored holes for the golf tournament to help us get kids there. This body alone, the group of people here at Stonebridge Church provided $17,000 worth of scholarships for students this year. <laughs> that is a huge huge gift. I, I'm so thankful for your generosity. I'm so thankful for how you gave, how you prayed, and how you helped support us uh, for one camp. I also want to thank all of our counselors and the people that were on camp, the nurses, the out-of-cabin people. The count it's a tough week. Camp is nuts. Just so you know, it's crazy. It's awesome, but right, you don't sleep for a week, and you are, like, there's some things that you... There's a picture floating around of me after the color rave. 
I look like a psychopath. And, but it's, it's awesome and it's crazy and I'm so appreciative of all the adults who took off work, who came and stayed in, if you were on a boy's side, really smelly cabins um, and just poured out for our students. I'm thankful for our counselors. I'm thankful for our small group leaders. I'm thankful for the band as they led us in worship every night. I'm thankful for Luke and Pitt as they did their best to entertain us with videos and games. And I'm just thankful for everybody involved. And I'm especially thankful for uh, Javon and Mallory and Autumn. Um, It takes a long time, yep. We, uh, yeah, it's a lot. I mean, you can ask Warden Audrey, I can see them there. They plan the evening activities and morning, th- and the morning stuff. I mean, there's a lot of you. I'm not, I can't call everybody by name. There's a lot of you that gave and, and give and pour out just for our kids to have a great time and encounter Jesus. And all of that planning for this year's camp ends tonight. We have our welcome back service from five to seven tonight that's here. And then we start again in three weeks, start preparing for camp 2024. So that's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of sacrifice. There's a lot of people who give uh, generously and give um, sacrificially. And so we're thankful for, for all of you that do that. This morning, we're gonna flip over and we're gonna look at Matthew 28, 16 through 20. That's the Great Commission. Nope, we're not having Mission Sunday. That's usually what that passage is used for. We're gonna look at this passage a little bit differently today than we have in the past because I think it's important to note how God's working in our kids and in our students. And so I'm gonna read this passage and then we're gonna jump in a little bit on what it means to us. It says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountains where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So when we look at this passage, the first thing that we start with is because of Jesus's authority, he has the right, not just the right, he has the, 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 all of the power to give us our marching orders. He can tell us, go and do, and we have to say, yes, we'll go and do if we're following him. And the first thing that he tells us in his authority is, go and make disciples. It's interesting. He doesn't say go and make professing Christians. He doesn't say go and make followers or go and make believers. He says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Making disciples is different than making believers. The idea of a a disciple is, is a follower. So a disciple has a teacher and he follows or she follows that teacher and mimic the things that the teacher does. They're learners, they learn from the teacher. Everything that they, that they know and everything they do is influenced by the one they are following. And so to be a disciple of Jesus is, to, is someone who learns to live like their teacher. 
To be a disciple of Jesus isn't saying, I believe in Jesus and get baptized and done and, we're all, and it's over. To be a disciple of Jesus says, I give up all that I have, all that I want, because your way's better, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to live like you. I'm gonna live the way you live. And as disciples of Jesus, we should disappear, our flesh should disappear to the point that Jesus has seen. That's what it looks like. When people see us, they don't see us, they see Jesus. If we're living our life as a disciple, we're following him intently. And this week at camp, what we attempted to do, and what I think we, we did in some ways, is we honored this command because we went to make disciples, not believers. I tell our kids all the time, if you read in Mark 4, Jesus is casting out a demon. And the demon says, I know who you are. You're, you're the son of the most high. Even the demons believe Jesus is who he says he is. To be a disciple is different than a believer. A disciple follows, lives like him. Everything they do is informed by him and they model that. And so as disciples, and what we tried to do at camp this year was make these disciples to create disciples, people who were sold out completely to Jesus to the point that they lay down their lives for him. And that's a really, really good start. But in verse 20, the second half of that command, go and make disciples, the second part is, Teach them to obey. Disciple them. Teach them to obey. If Christians aren't hearing the gospel and being challenged to make decisions for, the God, to, for Jesus, we fail the first half of the command. If we're not discipling believers, especially young believers, then we're failing on the second half of the command. We have a responsibility as a body to disciple one another. It was fun to watch this week. There's one moment where one of, the, one of the college men, the guys that graduated this past year, grabbed a seventh grader and said, hey, I wanna, I wanna come, come and sit with us during worship. It was awesome. They worshiped together that whole night. The next night, that same seventh grader grabbed, the, grabbed that college man and said, hey, can I pray for you? That's awesome. That's discipleship. These guys right here, they are awesome. I love being with them. I love partnering with them. There's, a, there's 211 this week, right? There's a, a whole bunch of Stonebridge kids. And some people I talked to, some people I didn't talk to. Things were crazy and we got to spend time with some and, and not time with others. And so the point of that is me, Javon, Mallory, Autumn, we can't disciple all these guys. It's impossible. We can't do it. That's why we have those great small group leaders who are also awesome who, again, slept in smelly cabins and dealt with things that were, you know, fireworks being set off at three in the morning outside their door. A lot of different things going on there. Yeah, that, that happened, that happened. And we know who the guilty party is over here. But our kids live in a situation, they live in a culture where they're constantly being discipled by something. And if we're really honest about it, the church is behind 
the rest of the world in discipling. TikTok is way better than we are at discipling kids. YouTube, way better than we are at discipling kids. Any type of platform you can think of that influences our children, the church is losing ground to that. We did, I told y'all one other time, we had a Bible study for a few weeks on looking at TikTok theology and looking at all the ways that our kids are led astray by what they take in with these screens and on these social media platforms. It's powerful influence and we're losing ground because they're promoting a truth and they're promoting an idea that all truth is relative. You pick your own truth, you do you. Here, like your truth can be different than that truth. And to quote our speaker from this week, Mo, I hope that all relative truth will burn in the fiery lake. All relative truth, anything that's not Jesus, I pray like Mo did, that it burns in the fiery lake. Because the truth is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. He's it. They are being attacked daily. We are being attacked daily. And as a body of believers, we have to see the importance of discipleship so we can protect them. But we can't disciple them if we're not being discipled ourselves. If we're not connected to the Father, if we're not meeting regularly in community, if we're not studying the word, if we're not in worship and in prayer, it's hard to pour out to them if we're not doing those things. And it's required of us, teach them to obey. Teach them to obey. Parents, you are your children's primary pastor. You're it. They live in your house. I see them, we see them on average two hours a month. And it just depends on honestly which Ruth group in the area has the most fun thing going on. If there's a pool party, numbers go down. Because we, we, we treat youth group a lot of times, it's kind of a phenomenon that I've noticed in Marietta, we treat it like it's the golden corral. No, we do. This week, that one's better. This week, this one's better. This week, this one's better. And so we're gonna hit all four of them up in a week around here. And we're gonna, we're gonna pick and choose on the ones that are having the most fun and doing the most fun things, regardless of the ones that are encountering Jesus every week. I'll be honest, I will gladly have the most boring, dullest youth group in Marietta if, we, if the kids encounter Jesus every week. Every week. And this isn't a criticism, this isn't, this is, I, I don't mean to be, I'm tired, the filter's gone. <laughs> but we have to disciple our kids and allow them, I talked to the middle school, or seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, well you gotta allow your kids to be bored sometimes. It's okay. It's okay if they're bored. All of them told you, like the last month, May, they were all telling you, I'm, I'm ready for school to be, I can't wait for summer. Three hours after school's out, I'm bored, I want something to do. Here, watch YouTube. Here, do this, let's go on a vacation, let's do this. And we constantly seek to entertain them. They need to learn how to be bored. It's okay, you don't have to entertain them all the time. You can sit and talk with them. You can create your living room and make it a place of creation and connection. 
creating relationship, connecting heart to heart, having deep spiritual conversations. And they may roll their eyes, or some of them doing it up here right now. And they may put on their headphones. They may do all these things, but I'm telling you, it's important to let them be bored and disciple them. It's important to, to embrace their complexity. Technology says, get rid of the complex and be simple. It does everything for us. We don't talk to one another, we text one another. And then when we text one another, we usually abbreviate words. It can be a three-letter word and we gotta create two letters to mean it. I'm telling you, if y'all saw the text message, I'm not gonna read it wherever that, if y'all saw the text messages I get, I send them to Autumn, she translates, send them back to me. <laughs> but we've taken away the complexity. You don't wanna write a paper? You got AI that'll write it for you. You don't wanna do homework? Just let, you turn it in when you get a chance. You got other things to do, like watching somebody else play a video game. That's, I don't, I do not get that one. You can play it yourself. But they watch, my kids do, they watch video game, watch, it's like, why don't you just go play it? It's downstairs. They're like, ah, oh, it's more fun to watch that guy do it. I don't get it. Scrolling through, we get, we, we break down the complexity of who we are. We go back in time. It's like cave paintings when they text one another. Here's a picture of what I mean instead of saying it. Technology gets rid of difficulty for our kids. It's okay if your children have difficult times. Jesus says, in this world, you'll have trouble, but don't fear, I've overcome the world. Let them deal with difficulty. You don't have to save the day. You don't have to swoop in and, and save them from having any negative emotions because when we do that, we create a generation of people that don't know how to problem solve. They don't know how to stay the course. They don't have the stamina to keep the faith because they've never experienced trouble before because we've always prevented it. And I know it's hard because we don't want our kids to experience pain. We don't, want to, we don't want our kids to experience suffering, but we're creating an idol of comfort for them. If they're comfortable all the time, they never know that they need a savior. They never understand that they need a savior. These kids, very few of them will ever go without a meal. Very few of them won't go to whatever university or job they want. Very few of them will not have a roof over their head. They have everything that they need to survive and, and thrive worldly. And so it's hard for them to see they need a savior. They need someone to save them. And so we have to let them experience trouble, figure it out. Instead of giving them the answers, pray with them about it. We have to allow them to fail and it's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt them. It's gonna hurt us. But I'm telling you, sometimes Jesus lets that happen and he works a deeper work in us and we, we, we understand that we need him. It's important that we are constantly and consistently discipling our kids. Parents, you're the first pastor. And some of you are thinking, ah, that's why I send them to you. That's why I send them to Stonebridge Kids. That's what the church is for. Partially, like I said, two hours a month, I can teach them a little bit, but there's not discipleship. 
Parents, I know how you're feeling. Sometimes you're, th you're thinking, I'm not qualified. I'm, I'm not able to do this. But the last part of this verse, it says, I am with you to the very end of the age. The Holy Spirit is with you and will teach you to disciple your kids. And you don't have to stand up and preach every morning before they go to school. You don't have to pray all the time. You don't have to have worship music on. Use the gifts that God's given you to love your kids well. First, point them to Jesus and then love them well. Every cabin this year, out in front of the counselor's rooms, it said this. It said, point them to Jesus and love them well. Point them to Jesus. What that means is, if you don't, we don't have all the answers. Get in the word. Let them experience him. When you're not sure, actually, when you're absolutely sure, point them to Jesus. Get into the word. Read together. There's a few years ago, I saw one of the dads from Stonebridge with, with his son at IHOP. I was meeting with a kid, and he was meeting with his son, and they had a Bible and a book together out on the table. And I just walked over and said, hey, what's, what are you doing? And he said, I'm discipling my, we meet every Saturday morning, I disciple my son. It's like, that's on the list now. I was discipled by him inadvertently. Carve out time to point your children towards the Lord. We carve out time for everything else. We can, we can create this as a priority as parents. Pray with them, not just at meals. Pray with them. Sometimes it's simple. One thing that drives me crazy in my house, I hate it, and you would hate it too, it's really awkward. But I, when my youngest son makes me, or my wife, every single night sing Jesus Loves Me before he goes to bed. No, absolutely not. Got it. Nope, nope. My voice is gone. Um, but every night, we had to do that with him. It's annoying, and sometimes I'm like, Jesus, move it. There you go. Get, as quickly as possible, because I'm ready to go to bed myself. But that's just a simple, subtle way of pointing your kids towards Jesus, because you're singing over him, Jesus loves me. And it sounds cheesy, and it sounds corny, and all of those things, but I think it's effective. Second thing is to love them well. You do that. Sometimes though, we go a little too far and I'm a guilty party. I'm as guilty of this as anyone. Sometimes loving them well can evolve into worshiping them a little bit. They get to decide all the things that go on in your house. They get to decide where you go on vacation. They set this group, they're awesome, but they don't, they don't get it yet. You're their parent. Loving them well is telling them no sometimes. Loving them well is having hard conversations with them. And I'm just gonna say it, mainly because David's not here today. Loving them well is intentionally having the conversation about sex with them. It's awkward, it's weird. I do it driving so I can look forward and don't have to look at them. <laughs> it's effective, we do it. But have the conversation because whoever defines it for them first defines it for them forever. They need to hear it from you, not from somebody else. Especially younger parents. Most kids hear about this stuff from somebody else by the time they're in the fourth grade. Have it earlier. Earlier than you think is necessary. Because if not, the world defines it for them. Disciple your kids, point them to Jesus, love them well, and we can create a culture 
of discipleship as a church, and that's what will lead to revival. A culture of discipleship where we care more about somebody else than we do ourselves, and when we engage them vulnerably, like Madeline said in her, in her testimony, to be vulnerable before the Lord and before people so we can encourage one another, we can love one another, we can pray with one another, and investing in the community that you have. Whatever your community is, invest all of yourself in it. For, for good or for bad, doesn't matter. Invest in it, be a part of it, engage in it. Come to my boring youth group if you're a student that goes here. We'll take it. But more importantly, engage your parents. Look at them in the eye when they're talking to you and have a conversation with them about hard things that are going on. They love you. They're gonna point you to Jesus and they're gonna love you well. You gotta open up and have the conversations. Don't make them guess. Engage your parents, disciple one another, lead one another to Jesus, lead one another to the foot of the cross so we can heal together and love together. And then all of the things that divide us tend to disappear because we know how to handle hard things. I'm gonna wrap this up. Sorry, I'm going a little bit long. I'm gonna wrap this up a little differently than I did the last service. I wanna wrap this up with just worship. These guys love engaging in worship. They love singing about how great Jesus is. You saw that up here. It's a little, sometimes it could be uncomfortable, but I love it because it's the only time, not the only time, it's one of the main times we see this group of kids be unashamed about whose they are. And so I wanna encourage you, parents, adults, grandparents, you know, singles, whoever, this is an opportunity to worship together, pray together, engage our students, and intercede on the behalf of one another and disciple each other. Worship is a form of discipleship. How we engage in worship sometimes changes the atmosphere in the room. It's a simple way, simple yet difficult, to engage something this way, to worship without caring about what anybody else thinks about you or your singing voice or looks like. So I wanna encourage you as we wrap it up. Parents, again, last thing, disciple your kids. Ad grandparents, disciple your kids. All of us, disciple one another and lead people closer to Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we are thankful for one camp. We're thankful for what it is and what it does. And we, we thank you for how you always are faithful there. But we ask Jesus that that's not the stopping point, that that's the starting point. Help us to recognize that if we're the same next year when we get to one camp, then we have missed the purpose of discipleship. Teach us to disciple, teach us to love, teach us to lead, teach us to engage difficult conversations. Teach us to point our kids to you and teach us how to love them well, the way you love. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you to just convict us of all the places where we've missed it and encourage us in the places that we're getting it right, Lord. And I just pray for a culture of discipleship at Stonebridge Church, a culture of discipleship in Marietta and in these communities where we care about others more than we care about ourselves, but we care about you the most. It's in Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. 